Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome once again to the Crystal Silence League Hour, episode 170. I'm always excited when we reach an, uh, e- an even integer, a zero, because zero is a very interesting number, isn't it? Um, in the Arabic numeral system, it's shaped like an egg. Did you know that? Because zero is the source of all things, the void, the eternal source of creation, I'm a font of information like this, folks. Believe me, you get me out, get a drink in me, I can bore you for hours with stuff like this. Come back in just a minute, and I'll ramble on about some other um, (laughs) metaphysical things of interest to some of us. Won't you join us? really know how the sound is. Uh, Blog Talk Radio seems to have a specious and intermittent connection. On my end, it sounds a little rough, a little ragged, and it could possibly be because of the storms. We've had a tremendous amount of rain. Knoxville, uh, you know, where I live, is under a uh, disaster watch. We've uh, been underwater. People have been getting around in boats. I'm serious. People have been getting around in boats. Not on the streets we have footage you can go over to knoxville news stations there's a guy floating around on a big pink flamingo getting news coverage and people have been getting around on our streets in boats because cars won't pass there have been fatalities where people have done that foolish thing where they're driving on the street and there's a big uh, flow of water blocking a road and they'll drive into it and the car will be swept away and flipped over and the people drown 
don't don't ever do that. We've had sinkholes where the earth has been eroded from beneath and the ground opens and not big ones too. And uh, the past couple of days we've had dry weather and sun and it's been like a tonic. I've been getting up at four in the morning uh, because of this uh, break from the rain and uh, filled with energy and hope and work ethic and getting stuff done. I am a person who is solar powered. If the sun is out, I feel great. If it's raining, I feel okay. But with sun out, I feel great. I feel great. Our topic tonight, it's kind of a rambling topic. It's uh, more, more on new thought and the law of attraction and how to uh, bridge that gap between the world the way it is and the world the way we wish it were. Um, and people are the same way. We wish that people were a certain way. And then there's the way people stubbornly choose to be, isn't it? And so many problems in relationships spring from that. Because you enter a relationship, there, there are three phases in a relationship. There's the uh, the rosy eye phase, you know, the when you enter the relationship and you have all the hopes and dreams and aspirations and that feeling, it's, oh, this is it, this is going to be it, this is going to be it. Then there's the exciting learning phase where everything is uh, is new and exciting and uh, you're, you're learning about each other and everything is a revelation. You think, oh, my God, look how he or she eats ice cream. Look how he sips his tea. And, and then there's the, for lack of a better term, and I hate to put it this way, but the disillusionment phase. This is when you start to see the dark side of our beloved beloved and then there's a there's a another phase which lasts for years and years and years and years um if the relationship goes past the disillusionment phase and this is where a lot of people make their mistake um they call it falling out of love and um but this is where the the true truly mature people people who have an emotional development past the age of 16 realize that this is where you dig in and start to work. This is where you realize this is the world the way it is, not the way I want it to be. Uh, now, you have people who try to control the other person and say, no, 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 I don't want this dark side. I'm going to force this other person to give up these bad habits and change and become this perfect person that I see in my mind. I I will change him and her. I will change him and her and turn them into this perfect person. And, oh, my goodness, people people resent that when you try to change them. They, they really resent it. Now, sometimes because they, they love you so much or they need you so much or they're codependent so much or they're, um, you know, whatever, they will try to conform to that image you have. But they resent it. They resent it. And anger builds up, and then you get a um, uh, res- you get resistance to it, and eventually the relationship will crumble to pieces. So what do we do? Well, uh, mature relationships, and I even mean with the world, you you accept what it is, and it's not the world you try to change; it's you. You change yourself. You adapt. Um, There's a great Buddhist philosopher named Shantideva, I think 10th century. And he said, where am I going to find enough leather to cover the entire world? 
But if I find enough to make a pair of sandals, I don't have to do that. And, uh, of course, that's been said many ways. You know, why why carpet the world when I can just put on a pair of shoes? You see? Uh, and this makes a lot of sense. Now, this is uh, hard to get through to someone who's naturally a control freak, right? And, again, that gap between the world the way it is and the way we want it to be. And to the perfectionist, to the control freak, that gap is wide indeed. So imagine the amount of stress that creates. And the more you can narrow that gap, the less stress you have. That's the first and second noble truth of the Buddha, that there is stress. That's the first truth. Sometimes it's mistranslated as life is suffering. That's not, that's not what he said. He said life is dukkha. Life is dukkha. Actually, he didn't say that. He said, there is dukkha. He recognizes there is dukkha. Dukkha has never been translated satisfactorily into English. Um, oddly enough, the closest translation is unsatisfactory. Dukkha means un, means a quality of unsatisfactoriness. That in this world, there is unsa- this world is unsatisfactory because everything is subject to change and decay. Anything you try to hold on to from changing, it's going to change and decay. There's nothing permanent. There's a quality of impermanence. And uh, that impermanence is caused by our, well, there's several things, but mostly this uh, desire that we have. And desire takes form many forms. But the biggest one is that we have an idea, we have concepts, we have constructions, mental constructions. And our mental constructions are always much more perfect than the world really is. Ask any artist, any painter, and they'll tell you that the painting falls far short of how they visualized it in their head. Ask anybody who's creative, any writer, you know, unless they're a hack, that the words never capture the feeling when they sit down to write it. The world never lives up to our idealistic image of it. So the only way we can achieve balance and harmony is a realistic view of the world. This doesn't mean that we become pessimists. Not at all. Not at all. Now, what I wanted to talk to you about um, in a little bit is ways to maximize our adjustment to a world that's often contradictory, paradoxical, confusing, and sometimes, from our point of view, cruel and uncaring. But before we do that, let's talk about a few other things. We have to do our prayers this week, and we want to talk about our stone of the week. I decided to talk about bezoars. You know what a bezoar is? These are stones that form in the stomach and digestive system of animals when they eat something they can't digest. And uh, it's it's layers and layers of calcification. It's sort of like when an oyster makes a pearl. And then eventually the animal may hack this up or the animal is killed for food and slaughtered, and they find these pearls, these stones, in the digestive tracts of slaughtered animals. And we have some pictures of them 
up on our slideshow. And if you look at some of these, they're very pretty. And it was believed in old times that bezoars were cures or universal cures for almost any poison or toxin that you would ingest. So over time, in magical work, it was believed you could even carry these things, uh, carry them as charms, and use them in magical work as antitoxins, not only against uh, poisons that you would drink, but also against uh, malicious and malignant magic that may be aimed at you. Now, there's another, you know, bezoars are not only produced by animals. There's a type of bezoar called a mustica pearl that's produced by plants. And they're usually only found in areas that are remote and uninhabited. And if you do a search for a mustica pearl, M-U-S-T-I-K-A pearl, you'll see that these are extraordinarily beautiful products of plants. They are... Um, pearlescent, often transparent, and they come in every color. And sometimes you'll find a mustica pearl that's even rainbow-colored. And they're highly prized as mystical objects. They're believed to connect you with uh, the earth spirit, uh, endow you with uh, all sorts of uh, powers, uh, have all kinds of healing and um, uh, powerful energies, and are, are highly prized. You can buy them. I'll tell you that some of the ones you buy are um, just glass, <laughs> but uh, if you do buy them, get them from a reputable dealer. Because I've, I've purchased some and I've looked at them and said, you know, I said, hell, these are nothing but glass. It's been dropped, you know, molten glass has been dropped in water, you know, to form pearl shapes. Um, but if you do find them, basically they're amber, you know, they're types of amber that plants produce, you know, sap that hardens and, uh, and then they have uh, different infusions in them that give them color, you know, plant dye, basically. Um, and they're, they're wonderful things to have. Um, you, you carry them and connect straight to the uh, spiritual allies of the earth. And uh, they do seem to give you a protection against those uh, environmental toxins that we seem to be belching into the planet in greater and greater quantities. Just something to think about, the bezoars and the Masika pearls. We know about bezoars from Harry Potter, right? You know, Ron drank poison, and Harry grabbed the bezoar and shoved it down his throat, and Ron was okay. It's a magical cure-all. I wouldn't try that in real life. If somebody drank rat poison, I wouldn't put a bezoar down their throat. Rat poison. You know, rat poison is basically uh, blood thinner. Did you know that? It's basically blood thinner. So concentrated blood thinner. So if you're taking um, a blood thinner for your heart medicine, um, you know, for your heart problems, it's very similar chemical composition to, to uh, rat poison. Unless it's the rat poison that's uh, strychnine. I don't think they even make that anymore. I don't, I don't think so. But, uh, per, you know, perhaps it is. I don't know. If you go over to our website, www.crystalsilenceleague.org, you'll see that we have lots of different pages. Um, we have a history of um, the Crystal Silence League, which, of course, was founded by uh, a remarkable man, um, Mr. Claude Alexander Conlon, for the purpose of distributing magical thoughts and prayers to all those in need. We have a letter from Mr. 
Claude Alexander Conlon uh, explaining his um, his mission, and we haven't read that in a time. Um, and uh, one of the things he says in this is, and understand he wrote this at a time when the country was besieged by problems. He wrote this in 1919, around the time of the Great Depression. And he wrote, There's a way out of all your difficulties. I firmly believe in that lays and being able to make others think as you think and being able to project your thoughts to others so that they will have the effect that you desire. You do not have to have beauty, physical strength, or wealth to do these things. You just have to be willing to help yourself. And this is an easy matter if you have the secret. And I firmly believe that concentration with the aid of a crystal is the secret. It has been my success. This was the letter. And you can actually see this letter uh, on our website, crystalsilenceleague.org. And um, if you go there, you'll find uh, lots of things, including our prayer page. And... um, if you go there, you'll notice that we have lots and lots of prayers. We get about 200 prayers a week, and prayer is always free at the Crystal Silence League. We'll, we'll sell you crystals and books and things, but prayer is free. And um, it's been my custom since we started the show to read aloud some of these prayers and invite you to pray along with me, with or without your crystal ball. So uh, let's get to the work, shall we? Prayer ID 80815, who says she is a single mom to a 16-year-old boy and a 4-year-old girl. And she says that paternal termination is pending for the father. And she says, I'm waiting for the law to catch the girl's pedophile father. I've been requesting prayer because I'm struggling, but I would like to help others. So I set up a nonprofit and ran it out of, and ran, it ran out of money before I could finalize the 501C and registrar. I need about $1,000. So step one, launch a fundraiser. If I raise more, it'll become my career. I need a job, and how awesome I'd help. Everybody send her prayers and wish her luck. Uh, starting a 501c is very expensive. Um, the application fee is around $1,000, and sometimes you have to do it two or three times before they say yes. It's very difficult. Prayer ID 80814, who says, God, Goddess of Venus, St. Martha, and Holy Spirit, I ask respectfully for your assistance and blessing. Please make my relationship manifest. Let my love and I have more communication. Open up his heart to accept me wholeheartedly. May we love each other passionately and loyally. I see him as my soulmate, and I ask that he sees me as his as well. Make him desire me and thinking of me all the time. I am forever grateful to have him in Jesus' name. Amen. And then we have prayer ID 80813. Please pray for me that I will be inspired and motivated to get healthier so I can successfully become pregnant and have a healthy baby. Thank you. Amen. Prayer ID 80812. Please pray that the silence between EJ and myself, NMJ, is broken immediately. 
let EJ finally wake up and realize the error of his ways. May he beg his forgiveness and finally put me and the kids above everyone else. Let him finally become the loving, honest, loyal, caring, faithful, hardworking husband and father we know he can be. Amen. Prayer ID 80809. May your prayers come true. Please have TS contact me as and may it always be happy ones for both and loving. Thank you. Prayer ID 80808. Please pray for my healing from skin allergies that are increasing day by day and emotional distress from broken relationships. I want Jesus Christ to intervene in my life and guide me and take me to the path that is good for me. Amen. Prayer ID 80807. My beautiful son, G, is 19. He has a severe anxiety disorder and is suffering a lot lately from it. Please help him to feel some calm and to find health and live a life full of love and happiness. I worry about him so much. Thank you so much. Amen. And prayer ID 80806. I'm still requesting prayers to get the job that I want and need. I've been struggling emotionally and financially. And having this job will help with both problems and make me feel like I have a purpose in life again. I had a phone interview this morning. They said they have a few more applicants to interview, and they would let me know by the end of the week if I get an in-person interview. Please pray that they hire me. This would be the perfect job for me. I need this job. And prayer ID 80805. Please pray to calm my nerves as I have a job interview today for a promotion I've waited two years for. Please pray, God, to give me the right words to say amen. And prayer ID 80804, who prays EM and DF will no longer be bonded and the toxic relationship will end. Nothing but fighting, strife, and confusion will come to them and communication will completely stop once and for all. And 80803, that D will be drawn closer to and have the courage to openly express his feelings and love for me. Amen. And one more, prayer ID 80801. Please touch and agree with me to ask the Spirit of God and the angels to bring my boyfriend W back to me now and to forgive me once and for all. In Jesus' name, amen. And thank you in advance for this special rush request. I have My heart is broken. I have prayed and sown many seeds for this man, but I let people get in my head. Please hop power. Amen. Well, let us have a few moments of prayer and silent meditation for all those in need of comfort and support and affirmation.
Amen. Let it be so, let it be so. We talked about bezoars and uh, Musica pearls, and they were believed to, and still believed, to be a protection against um, uh, environmental and spiritual toxins. And um, we talk about the evil eye a lot in spiritual work. And uh, there are many ways. Do you believe in the evil eye? I, I certainly do. Uh, there are many ways, too, to cast a negative uh, spiritual toxin on someone, too. In some cultures, uh, one of the things you ask is, uh, did a stranger compliment your baby? Did a stranger come over to you and uh, compliment your child or your baby? And that, that's one way to put an evil eye on someone or an evil uh, an evil spirit. Um, and another is if, uh, if enough people wish ill on someone, um, a negative, oppressive energy can be generated. If you believe in the power of prayer, enough people praying for you can affect a positive change. Enough people wishing ill on you can become an oppressive energy. And it's a cruel thing. It's a cruel thing for people to gang up on anyone and wish harm upon them. And we've seen social bullying lead to suicide. We've seen teenagers take their own life because their peers taunt them. And uh, I wrote on my Facebook today an anecdote that I was reminded of. Uh, there was a certain singer, if you hadn't read this on my Facebook or elsewhere, a certain singer was struggling to make a career performing in nightclubs. And uh, she was in college at the time, and the Facebook page was started by some of her resentful college peers, and it was entitled, uh, uh, Stefani Germanotti Will Never Succeed, uh, or, or something similar. And on this page, there were about a dozen of her classmates would uh, post all sorts of terrible things about how ugly she was and how uh, untalented she was and how she would wind up, uh, you know, working, washing dishes somewhere. And uh, they, one time they posted a picture of one of her flyers announcing her appearance in a nightclub where they had stomped dog poop on it and put it back up on the bulletin board and um, all sorts of hateful content. Uh, Stephanie Germanotti uh, today is known as Lady Gaga. And uh, I know a lot of people reading the story will say, well, they messed with the wrong person. And that's a natural reaction, right? But in in a way, it's the wrong reaction because what if she had not gone on to become Lady Gaga? What if she had gone on to become a waitress or a school teacher or an ordinary person? Would she have been the right person to have picked to have picked on? There's never a wrong person or a right person to treat this way, is there? Um, there, and do we take a, uh, a uh, do we take glee that she got back at her oppressors? Uh, so I'll tell you, many many celebrities, many successful people can tell similar stories about how. Uh, the cruelty and the hardships they faced from resentful people uh, on their way to having a successful career. And you see it now. You see it now when uh, 
when a celebrity speaks a political opinion uh, and you read the comments, and that's a mistake, man. You know, the first rule of the internet is don't read the comments, but uh, I tend to do it. I have a, I have a very thick skin. I tend to do it. People say, well, who cares what you think? Who cares what you think? And well, you know, uh, a celebrity has as much right to an opinion as anybody. My, my cat and my dog have a right to an opinion, and they express it. My cat especially expresses an opinion often. But the resentment, the resentment is like, who cares what you think? Who cares what you think? Well, who cares what you think? You know, well, nobody cares what any of us think. You know, um, <laughs> you know, when you think about it, our opinion does not. The universe doesn't care what we think. The universe, you know, the the Earth continues to circle the sun, and the moon continues to circle the, the center of gravity somewhere. None, our opinions change nothing. I mean, it's a silly thing to say. When, who cares what anybody thinks? But the resentment, the resentment. So, um, and and not everyone who's a victim of this kind of uh, bullying and resentment and character assassination will ever be a celebrity. Um, you know, most of us in this world are just trying to get by, just trying to get by, just trying to get by day to day. And so uh, I always try to keep this in mind, and I urge everybody to keep this in mind when you read and hear these ad hominem attacks, right? We reflect, have to stop and reflect on the mindset of of people who make it their business to do this. And uh I, I know when I, when I read on social media somebody attacking somebody, you know, going, "Oh, this person, they're 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 awful, they're fake, they don't go to them." I think, man, this person must be really talented and good to attract so much jealousy. I'm gonna go check him and her out. And usually, I go check him out, and I'm really impressed with him. So, uh, but who knows what spawns such an attack? Uh, you know, jealousy, resentment, misery, or are do some people? build up so much poison that anytime they see somebody happy or successful, they have to strike out, you know, like a viper. And I think that's what it is. Um, there's a, a, a type of individual that is uh, known as a grievance collector. And if you've never heard this term, follow it away because you'll, you'll run into him and you'll think about people that you know. Uh, a grievance collector stores up every bad thing and every negative thing that has ever happened to him or her, every wrongdoing perceived or real that anyone has ever done, and they, they collect them, you know, like like you might collect comic books or stamps or shiny things. They collect grievances, and it builds up and it builds up until they have this uh, stockpile, this warehouse full of resentment. And when you carry that much resentment, uh, the world becomes a very dark and hostile place, and everybody is a potential enemy. And, oh yes, they will strike out. And you can usually look at the memes on their Facebook and find a grievance collector. They're all very defensive. The memes are very hostile and very defensive, the defensive memes. And, and I think it's really funny when these memes are uh, – uh, defending themselves against imaginary attackers, right? You know, like, uh, don't, if you can't take me at my worst, you'll never 
appreciate me at my best. It's like, uh, who ca- what? What do you mean? Who's 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 asking? And uh, I, I love it when people put haters got haters going to hate. And it's like, do do you have haters? I thought only like really famous and successful people had haters. I mean, who who am I and who are you to have haters? You, you got a bunch of people hating on you. What do, what have you done? And uh, um, uh, and uh, the, and you know the ones that always talk about people who are uh, trying to pull you down. And uh, who who are these people trying to pull you down? I, you know, these real these imaginary. Uh, it, it's like it's like. Uh, you against the world or something. And uh, who are these people um, trying to do this? And I, I real my, my first impression is here's a grievance collector. And, uh, you know, somebody, they got in an argument on the internet or something, and now all of a sudden they've got a group of haters after them or something. And uh, so um, it's probably the worst uh, thing you can do is to hang out some place where everybody's bickering and fighting and one of the best things to do for peace of mind is just get 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 away get away from that uh, I'll, I'll tell you that there is a quality in buddhism called mudita it's one of the the four um, immeasurables one of the four paramitas they're called sublime states and um, uh, mudita is usually translated as sympathetic joy there's another one called equanimity, which means you have an even keel. Your emotions don't go to extreme. But sympathetic joy uh, is the pleasure you take in the good fortune of another person. And this is uh, compared to the pleasure that uh, a parent would have toward the accomplishments of a beloved child. You know, like when, when your kid takes its first steps. When the kid learns to count to ten, when the kid your kid learns to spell, that pleasure that you take in your child's accomplishments, you feel this for other people and for everybody. And the uh, exercise you do, they they say is to is to think about somebody that you have cheerful affection for. That's how you start it. When you're meditating on this, you don't start with an enemy, but you but you do end with an enemy. When you're first learning it. You start with somebody that you really like, someone you have a lot of affection for, and you have cheerful joy for that person, and you aim it at him. You think, oh, my gosh, yeah, he, he did really well in school. I'm so happy for him. Oh, he, he married a wonderful woman, or she married a wonderful man. I'm really happy, really happy, and they got such a great job. I'm so happy. And and then you bring something, someone in front of your attention who you have you know, so-so feelings for. Really happy you know, he, he got that promotion. Really happy. He, he did all that. Really happy. Then you bring someone in front of you that you don't like at all, someone who may have screwed you over, and you do the same thing. Really happy for him that he did all this. might be hard. You might not be able to work up as much joy as you did for your friend, but over time you will. And if you do this, then, then nobody's going to be able to move you from that uh, that mudita, that sympathetic joy for all living creatures. Now, the opposite sentiment um, is best described by this uh, Latin term called invidia. And, and, and that, that's a scary sounding word, invidia, uh, which is envy. And uh, it's uh, an invidia, interestingly enough, is often associated with the evil eye. 
And uh, this is uh, envy and resentment over another person's success or accomplishments. And NVIDIA, you'll find, is at the very root of a lot of evil magic. And a lot of magical charms and rituals have been created to ward off the effects of NVIDIA. If you find a generational curse or you find someone with the evil eye, a lot of times it's because of envy. They, this is somebody who got resentful or envious because uh, you're with their woman or you're with their man or you took a job away from them or you're more successful. And they got envious or um, resentful. And the word NVIDIA goes all the way back to ancient Rome where they had charms and talismans and amulets uh, to protect them from NVIDIA. It's a uh, long, long and resentful thing. So I, I don't know. I urge people uh, stay away from, stay away from that kind of thing. We're always told by uh, new thought people avoid negativity, but you can't, you can't, you, you, you'll never leave home. But when you see it, uh, try to get to the root of it, and and you know where does it come from, and and why why do people do it? And these these are suffering people that are doing this sort of thing, and I I give them um, um, uh, it's another uh, parameter uh, meta, which is loving kindness. I give them meta, and. Uh, I give them a little loving kindness. Say, you know, I, I really wish that you know things are better for you, and and move on. Um, and and I'll tell you that if you actually wish a grievance collector a good day, they'll tell you to go fuck yourself. So <laughs> you, know, you kind of have to do it uh, on the astral level. Uh, we were talking the last time we were here about uh, ways that you can uh, elevate yourself the way ascension of spirit and uh, I believe that we were talking about um, ways to uh, make yourself happy and uh, I think we stopped on the idea of uh, how perfectionism can uh, drive you crazy and uh, we uh, may have dwelt on the idea that uh, one of the secrets of happiness is to find something you like doing and uh, bring bring joy into your work. Now, should you take something you love doing and make a living at it? Maybe. There's a, there's a thing we used to call avocationitis. And that's when you take a beloved hobby and start to do it for a living. And then you start to hate it because it's your job. Now, I'm not sure that Taking your childhood love, your childhood dream, and doing it for a living is always a good idea. Not always. You might get avocationitis when the thing you love doing most becomes your job. You can bring an element of love to your job. Because I'll tell you, I'm one of the very few people who did. And when I was very young, I saw magicians on television and I thought, oh, I'd love to do that because they aroused this great feeling in me uh, of awe. I thought, look, man, they can do this, these impossible things. And uh, so I went to the library, got all these books on card tricks and coin tricks and studied them. And 
uh, as I got older, I ingratiated myself to uh, master magicians and learn from them. And for a long time, I, been, I made my living being a magician, you know, the, the illusionist type of magician. And I will tell you that in all the entertainment arts, nobody is more hostile to entertainers than audiences are to magicians. And people were cruel to me. They were cruel to me. And I'm not narcissistic enough to where it didn't bother me. I mean, I, I know a lot of magicians, and predominantly a lot of them are narcissists. They don't care. As long as they're getting attention, any reaction, they're fine with it. I'm not. And it, it bothered me. And um, I look back on it. I've been retired for many, many years, and I look back on it. And I realize now, uh, you know, somebody, oh, you're a magician, do a, do a card trick. I'm like, no, I have, P I have like PTSD from it. And, uh, and I, I couldn't understand it for a long time, why people were so cruel to magicians. And um, um, I, I still don't for a long time, except that there are so many bad ones. Uh, magic is an art form that's defined by its amateurs. And there are so many bad ones. You know, everybody's been traumatized by their brother or their uncle or their grandfather. Um, here, pick a card, pick a card. Pick, oh, here, here's a quarter behind your ear. Look, it's gone. You're stupid. You know, like this. That they they don't know how to respond to a uh, to an illusionist, and uh, they see it as a challenge, and they're they're going to by God bust you. And uh, but uh, who go, who goes up to someone after a show and uh, says mean things to them. Who goes up to a violin player or a pianist and says mean things to them, but they'll do it to a magician. And uh, um, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure that it's great to follow your childhood dreams sometimes. And um, then um, I don't know if it happens to musicians or not. I've, I've talked to some. I've talked to some musicians who hated it. You know, they, they said, I wish I'd never done this. I wish I just stayed at home and hung out with my friends and did it. But I know a lot of... Uh, musicians that uh, that drank a lot and did drugs a lot and I think maybe it was to uh, anesthetize themselves from the audiences um, maybe that's the case I never did maybe if I did I wouldn't have felt it so much when the audiences were um, cruel and indifferent I wouldn't but I, I was always sober and I, I knew exactly what was going on there were times I just wanted to walk out I just wanted to say you know guys you know screw you I'm going home but I was there to do a job and I always did my job well. I, you know, I'd go home and say, I did my job well, and now I'm just going to forget about it and listen to opera for a while. And I love opera, so it's probably a good thing that I never studied music until I got older anyway. Uh, I'd study music and then think, well, I don't like it anymore. I don't know what got me off on that, but uh, is it good to do what you love for a living? I'm not sure. I love what I do now. I absolutely love what I do now. And I, I was doing readings all my life, and uh, I always thought when I retire, I'll become a spiritualist. And uh, and I love it now, but it's different because, you know, I don't come to you guys. You come to me. So it's different. Let's go to station identification, and we'll see what happens when we get back. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Recover with Catherine Ironwood and Condraman Ollie, Sundays 3 to 4.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, 
Tuesdays, 5 to 6. Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 4 to 5. And The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, 6 to 7. All Times Pacific, Add 3 Hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And we're back. Do you know what a big source, I think, of uh, unhappiness is, is being bored? Um, and that's not misery or, or sadness, but boredom is certainly not being happy. And um, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what causes boredom is inattention. If you're not paying attention to what you're doing at the time, that's boredom. That's when you're, whatever is happening at the moment is not holding your attention. That's when boredom occurs. Your mind slips away from it. And uh, so the secret, of course, not being bored is to be interested in whatever it is you're doing at the time. And that to me is a choice. I can honestly tell you that I don't think I've ever been bored in my life. I don't know what that means. And people say I'm bored. I, I don't have a, a feeling or an emotion or a referent to attach to that. I have never been bored. And I think it's because I stay in my head a lot. And, uh, that was just something I did when I was a kid to survive because my environment was very chaotic and uh, very unattractive, and I learned to stay in my head. I can stare at a wall, uh, like Kingpin on Daredevil. I can stare at a wall and entertain myself in my head and uh, often do. So if I'm waiting in a doctor's office or waiting for a computer to update, my son's the same way. He says the same thing. You know, We, we sit and watch the computer update and just sit there and entertain ourselves in our head. So I, I don't know what it means to be bored. I don't need constant stimulation. Uh, but what I think is uh, the cure for that is to be in the moment. Um, whatever's going on around you, be, be in the present. Because I think that feeling of boredom, as I understand it, is the idea, is the sensation that time is dragging by. And, uh, and I'll tell you another cure for that is what the Buddha said um, to this young monk. Or No, he was a prince. He came by and he said, well, well, I'm busy. He said, yeah, this monk life, it just it's not for me right now, maybe later. He said, right now I'm, I'm too busy drinking and whoring and gambling and spending my money and having a good time. I'll, I'll do it when I'm older. And the Buddha said something, and this is bone chilling. I read this and a chill went up my spine. The Buddha leaned forward and looked at him and said, young man, the problem is, you think you have time. And I had to close the book. It's in the Samyaya Nikaya, I think. Samyuta Nikaya. I had to close the book, set it down, and uh, get up and go outside and uh, take a deep breath. My, my hands were shaking when I read that. Young man, the problem is you think you have time bone chilling I mean I, I was shaking after I read that and I was 30 35 and I thought I have the rest of my life to do things you think you have time I went oh god that hit me like a ton of bricks so live in the moment but also realize you think you have time and you'll you'll find that you appreciate every moment so 
don't forget that. Live, live now. If you say you're bored, uh, you're not paying attention. And I think we don't pay attention to life. Now, one of the things, uh, you know, you know, I've listened to a lot of motivational speakers, and uh, I, I can't tell you how many of them, they, they title their talk, The Attitude of Gratitude. The Attitude of Gratitude. It's, it's like, I think 300 of them have <laughs> The Attitude of Gratitude. Okay. And uh, so I've, I've pinned some of these guys to the wall, and I say, okay, gratitude. Who are you grateful to and what for? Oh, oh, and so now they'll personalize it. They'll say, well, be grateful to God. Well, what if you don't have a clear conception of uh, who or what God is? Then what? Well, be grateful for your life. Well, then, okay, you're grateful to, to who or what. And and they'll always get really frustrated with me. But if you're going to have a feeling, you've got to have a target for that feeling. Otherwise, you're just kind of drifting. And... If you're going to be grateful to God, you got to have a concept of what God is. And you're not going to tell me God is infinite, God is omnipotent, God is om- omniscient, because you cannot have any kind of concept of that. Don't tell me that you can conceive of infinity. No, don't tell me that. So when people are telling me that they are grateful to God, that they're um, praying to God, so they have no idea what they're praying to. They have no idea who they're grateful to. It's It's just being flung out to nothing. So... Be specific in your gratitude. I am very grateful to my benefactors. I name my benefactors when I'm grateful. I am grateful to my benefactors. If I'm grateful for my life, I'm grateful to my mom and my dad. Now, yes, you can be grateful to God, but be specific about who, what God is. Be specific. Be very specific. And... I just don't think – it's like people now are talking about socialism. I don't think people who are talking about socialism know what socialism is. I don't think they understand. They're, they're afraid of it, and do they realize that many of the programs that we have in this country now are social programs, You know, social security, um, uh, uh, VA benefits? Uh, roads that are paid for by taxes, things like this, are socialist concepts. And that oh my God, there's going to be socialism. Will be socialism. Do you know what? Do you know what socialism is? And do you know the difference between socialism and democratic socialism? And don't call some of, a lot of these countries that they're calling socialists are saying don't call us socialists. We're capitalists with. Um, uh, with a shared shared resource economy, um, so I think a lot of people don't understand what um, some of these terms mean um, when, when they're talking about certain, when they're talking about God. They don't know what they mean by God. Be, be very specific about these things. I, I get frustrated sometimes when people say, "Be be, gra- be grateful." Okay, to who? To what? And uh, because that's a very important thing. Yes, be grateful. Be grateful, but don't be sloppy with your gratitude. I think you'll find that the more specific you are with your gratitude and the more you verbalize it and show it, the happier you're going to be. And be and give give back. Be generous 
with your gratitude. Um, give it back. Give it back. Uh, if somebody does something for you, pass it on. There's nothing that is a formula for misery than selfishness. This is a miserable thing, way to be. Selfishness is uh, it's like simmering in misery. So people who are generous, who give of themselves, of their time, their resources, uh, even what little bit of money they have, these are the happiest people in the world. Now, this whole thing about boredom, uh, too, uh, be spontaneous. Uh, do something totally surprising. Um, um, and if life itself didn't surprise you, surprise yourself. I remember one day I was living with my son. I was in between marriages, and I was just sitting there one day reading a book, and I put it down, and I said, I'm going to New York. And my son said, when? I said, I think right now. <laughs> and uh, so I, I, uh, I uh, called one of my friends. I said, hey, I'm coming to New York, man. Uh, is there any chance that uh, I could stay with you for a couple of days? He said, when? I said, I think I'll be there in about 13 hours. <laughs> He said, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. And I said, well, if I can, I can get a hotel, but, you know, it'd be nice if I could crash on your couch for a day or two. And uh, he said, well, yeah, I think so. It'd be all right. And uh, and uh, I said, yeah, about 13 hours from Tennessee to New York. And uh, he said, let me call some, some, other, some of the guys. We'll get together. I said, all right, yeah, I tell. Big Nose Tony and Nick the Greek and Chill Bill and some of these other guys. We'll get together, man. So uh, uh, it, it was really good. To be happy, you got to be honest. Um, and this is not only just being uh, honest with other people, but honest with yourself. And this requires a lot of thought and examination. Um, do you know who you are? And are, are you being yourself? And sometimes when you're living with other people, uh, you can develop habits such as concealing who you really are. And you can become apologetic about who you really are. And uh, I will tell you, when I was 12 years old, I discovered opera in Knoxville, Tennessee, in uh, a part of Knoxville, Tennessee that was not very cultured. And I loved, I knew immediately, I said, I, lo I don't know what this is, but I love it. I want to know more about it. And my friends thought I'd lost my mind. They thought I had lost my mind. And, uh, I'd listen to that and say, why aren't you listening to that good old rock and roll? And most people listen to country, but why aren't you listening to that good old – what's that crap you're listening to? I said, no, this is really good. you got to listen to this. I said, this is not like anything I've ever heard before. The only experience I had with opera was like you know, the Kill the Wabbit episode of Bugs Bunny, and I thought they made that stuff up. But this was really something. And uh, not only that, but I found Wagner was what I liked the best. And Wagner is very serious opera. That's, just, that's not like you know Mozart, uh, Magic Flute. Rosini, Wagner is very serious opera. So um, nobody liked it. My family thought I was crazy. My friends thought I was crazy. But I knew this was what I was going to. And I still love opera. I went. I used to go to New York, you know, to the Metropolitan Opera a couple times a year. And a certain place in the country was playing an opera I liked. I'd drive to Cincinnati, you know, drive to Atlanta, drive to Chicago, and it'd be a journey just to see a certain opera. It was just something I really loved. But you see. I knew a lot of people didn't get it, and I'm not an opera preacher. I don't say, "Oh man, you got to love." I, I learned that you either like opera or you don't. I don't try to convert people. You know, I'm not a proselytizer, but you got to be yourself. And I'll tell you that I have been with 
people romantically who didn't get it. And those relationships didn't last. Um, they, um, it wasn't just offer as other things like my profession. You know, they thought it was a phase I was going through. So I know that you have to be yourself and you have to like being yourself and you have to like yourself. So you got to know who you are and you can't be yourself to please other people. And this is very hard sometimes. It, sometimes it takes age. You have to grow into it. And if you can't be yourself, who can you be? I mean, nobody is better at being yourself than you. You're an expert on yourself. Nobody knows you like you. And sometimes that takes practice. It takes practice to be you. And it takes honesty and it takes courage. Be you. If you want to be happy, be you. And never apologize for being you. Never say, you know, I'm really sorry about this. You know, um, you know, sorry, everybody, but I'm going to lay on the couch and listen to opera. Listen to, you know, I'm going to listen to ska. I'm going to listen to country. Um, um, be you. Be you. And and if they don't, if the people don't like you for it, let them go. Because there are people who are going to love you. I love you. There are people who are going to love you for that. I, I love the weirdos of the world, man. I love the poets. I love the misfits. I love the writers. I love the artists. I love the heretics. I love the troubadours. I love the people who yell out, um, I'm me, and I'm weird, and I'm different. I, I love uh, my friends all my life have been that way. The, I, I call them the misfit toys of the world. Those are my, those are my homies. Love you all. Come back next week. We'll talk some more about this. I have more stuff for you. I always do. This is the Reverend signing off. Y'all have a good week.